Hey, hey, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to me, man. I've, I've been mm-hmm. on the road and, and I have been producing some plays, some exciting shows coming up for you. I'm so glad to be back for this uh, latest edition of Let's Chew the Gum, the podcast where we talk about everything from A to Z. I have an exciting guest and, and a very interesting show for you for Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day to all of you. Thanks for your service. I have a veteran that's coming on today, a veteran in the military and also a veteran in the filmmaking industry. He does it all. This is Let's Chew the Gum. This is Let's Chew the Gum. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Let's Chew the Gum. I'm your host, Dr. K. Each time you tune in to Let's Chew the Gum, you can be sure of one thing. We always have something for your mind. All right, all right, here we go. We're going to get the show started. Um, I'm going to bring my guest in and, and introduce him. My guest is none other than Foster Quarter. Let's bring him on. Hey, Foster, welcome to the show, man. I'm glad to have you back. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Absolutely. No, go ahead. I cut you off. No, I was just going to say it was fun last time talking with you. I I really like your show. Man, it it was exciting. man. We got a lot of good feedback from it. And and that's why, you know, when we talked the other day and uh, you shared some some video footage with me, I was super excited to bring you back because there was a... uh, Oh, that's a, that's a strange sound. There was an interesting point of view that you brought up that, uh, sorry, that we'll bring up, that we'll bring back up today. And, uh, just so we don't keep it as a cliffhanger for now, I'm going to play the video, um, that you shared with me. So it'll set the tone for our discussion and it'll give the audience an opportunity to understand what I'm talking about. Let's check it out to go to Vietnam was, uh, I was hogtied, me, my brother. Let's start that over. My Here name we go. is Foster Quarter, and Vietnam saved my life. Um, November the 11th, Veterans Day, this year will be the 52nd anniversary to the day that I was released from Vietnam. Wow. I forged my birth certificate at the age of 15 to get away from the street gang on the south side of Chicago. Um, and that's why I say Vietnam saved my life because 95% of the black men who grew up in my neighborhood today are either dead, incarcerated, or um, paralyzed from gang violence. Southside Chicago was infested with street gangs and gang violence, and the Blackstone Rangers um, was the gang that I was part of. But what caused me to uh, forge my birth certificate to go to Vietnam was uh, I was hogtied, 
me, my brother, and five other guys with our hands behind our back, tied to our feet, and in a room that was, you have to imagine it, uh, red carpet, black walls, and 20 grown men beat us for about four hours. I had already decided that I needed to get away, but that was the last straw. And um, going to Vietnam was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. I recommend to young men, uh, choose the military. You know, don't, don't buy that um, lie to say, oh, I don't want to go to war. I don't want to go to war. I don't want to go to military. Well, you're in a war right now and you can't win. You're losing, automatically you lose. There's only um, one path if you remain or get caught up into um, gang violence and in the street life, um, it's, it's either you're going to get hurt, sh you know, shot, um, paralyzed, or go to jail. Um, I used the GI Bill to go to film school at the Chicago Academy of Fine Arts, and that led me to a lifelong career in Hollywood. Um, my IMDb credits now are at about 150 movies. And when I came to Hollywood, there was no uh, room for uh, African-American filmmakers and, you know, um, but I, I made a career, you know, again, I made a choice and it was what I wanted to do. So I used my photography skills that I had learned at uh, Chicago Academy of Fine Arts and made a career in Hollywood and I became the um, the first African-American to be head of film and video production at Capitol Records. I produced all of the Hammer videos, uh, work with Tina Turner, Poison, Great White, um, Young MC, The Whispers, Bonnie Raitt, um, about um, 200 music videos. I was part of that team. I started the first African-American owned commercial production company in America. I had 10 directors um, from Gordon Parks, Bill Duke, Stan Latham, Kevin Hooks, Helene Head, um, minority directors, uh, female and Latino and African-American. And I went to Procter & Gamble in New York City and presented to them that they weren't using any uh, African-American, Latino, or female directors. Um, that changed everything. Before Blackbird Films, there weren't any at all. Um, minority directors, you know, any black directors. And so all the people who are making commercials today, they don't know, but they they got that opportunity because we started Blackbird Films in 1989, and that changed the game. Wow, nice, nice, man. That's that's a that's a lot of history, you know, right there. That that's that's a whole show right, right there, man. In in under five minutes, man. That that's an amazing history. You guys got to make sure that, um, you know, some of you are listening to the podcast on 
you know, one of the outlets like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and what have you. And, and that's great, man. Love to have that audience. But I would love for you guys to make sure that you tune in to see the video that we just saw um, so you can get a, a, the full scope of that of that video. The audio does does enough, but the, the video that we just saw um, here um, is great. So you can catch this episode uh, on on watch TV. It'll be there on on watch TV. You can download on watch TV on your Roku app or your Amazon fire stick or on Vita TV. If you are, um, well, Vita TV is here in the States now, man, but they, uh, launched in Germany and overseas. So make sure you guys check it out, but yeah, man, getting back to that, that video, that's an amazing history, man. And, and that, that makes you, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, a living legend. Anytime that you can put first in front of anything, the first, the first, the first, you know, that says it all. So I want to, I want to, you know, first of all, make sure we give those accolades and say thank you for paving that pathway. And the fact that you're still paving pathways for others is remarkable. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, so glad I could do it, man. And you know, when I listen to that video and watch it, it's like, damn, <laughs> this dude been through some, you know, and yeah. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. And I was thinking, <clears throat> yeah, um, what, what would I say to, um, someone who is, in a city because you know hollywood many people around the world dream of you know hollywood they have ideas of hollywood they think they'll never ever make it to hollywood they want to make it they have illusions about what hollywood is and and you know i recognize my blessings but what i would like to say is it's not necessarily you know hollywood that's what you and i we where we live and it's our occupations but any uh, dream you know any hope um, that any young person has and old people too but as far as young people go it doesn't have to be hollywood and, and film and and television and stuff it could be you know, wanting to be a, a, a scientist, a rocket scientist, wanting to be a welder, wanting to be a race car driver, wanting to be uh, whatever your career path is. The thing is, have that dream. Um, yeah, yeah. Eat that dream, drink that dream, live that dream, be that dream. You know, um, the, the, biggest uh crime or deterrent that destroys a lot of lives is people don't have dreams they yeah. think that that thing that they want that thing inside of them that thing in their mind uh, that thing in their gut is just unreachable but because they don't see the path and that's the trick see that's that's the that's the the trick to keep you from getting and 
achieving that dream is they take away your hope. Um, oh. In inner cities, um, and and again, I mean, I'm I'm a, a black elder, so um, I'm partial to speaking to young black men because I've seen the genocide, and not a lot of people care. You know, they rather lock up um, a young black person. But when I speak, I'm not just speaking to black. I care about black because nobody does, you know, and being an elder, um, I feel like I have to uh, share my experience and my knowledge. And through my walk, I've seen that, um, you know, the young African-American males in America are expendable. Um, nobody cares. When you see the Trayvon Martins, you know, just walking home and and you see the, you know, just the things that have happened over the years, there's not a lot of, um, of sympathy. Yeah, I mean, lately it has been, but, but I, I speak to all the youth. I'm saying that whether you're Latino or Asian, you know, German or French, doesn't matter. Jewish, Palestinian, I don't care. If you're a young person, you have to have dreams and you have to believe that you can achieve and you can do better. Don't look for the road to be laid out in front of you uh, and make it easy because that's just not the circumstances that most of us are born into. It's the hard work. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I'll, I'll add to that, you know, also if, you know, for young folks that are, you know, on a path and they do have a dream, but somehow that dream gets deterred, right? Deterred for a moment. It's okay if that dream is deterred because a dream deferred can still be a dream. And and I'll speak to, to this point. Um, and then I want to, I want to talk about this, this statement that inspired me to, to have this episode. Sure. Uh, for for my career, I'm a career educator, you know, um, and folks in, in the audience, shout out to all you guys around the world, man. We have listeners now in 90 countries, man, 90 plus countries. So shout out to everybody around the world because he was speaking to you, all of you. Um, career educator, man, um, high school social science history teacher and university professor. And that's been my, my gig. And I, I was heavily involved in advocating for teachers rights through with teachers unions, et cetera, et cetera, and did lots of speeches throughout the state, across the country, um, advocating for teachers' rights, okay? Um, but I've always been a creative, you know? I, as a child, I, I, I dreamed and I imagined and I wrote stories and I always had multiple stories entered in these competitions. And, and so that was my escape from poverty, my escape from the four walls of these walls that I felt where I lived, you know, in Detroit. I would write my way out. And um, it was always a passion. Life happens family happens and you go to work. Um, at one point though, after about, I don't know, 10 years or so, 15 years or so, man, it was more like yeah, 12, 10, 10, 15 years, give or take. I was at uh, downtown Los Angeles at the Bonaventure hotel, um, getting ready to do a speech for teachers union, uh, in the morning. And I was in the room the night before with my wife. And, uh, I told her, I said, I, I just had the feeling that this was going to be the last you know, physical presence that I had for the moment in that realm of the serious political, you know, I've done 
political campaigns, all this type of stuff, marches and the whole nine in politics. But I told her, I said, you know, babe, I think I think I'm done for now. This is going to be it. I said, I want to get back into my creative side. I've always had this dream. Right. You talked about a dream. Always had this dream of being a creative. You know, I want to tell stories. I want to, you know, do my do stand up comedy. And she said, you're not funny. That was <laughs> that was real funny. Yo. I thought I was. I knew how to de deliver a joke. I got it. You know, but I'm like, thanks for the support. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> but you're not funny. Right. So but I said, no, I think this is it. So went and did the speech and all that all that whatnot and the next day um i started resigning and i started let me write my resignation letters and i ended up writing didn't realize i had nine high level positions within the union throughout the state and the nation as i'm writing these letters i said oh man i had this position that it didn't seem like it but mm -hmm. they all coincided right and so yeah. from that point point being i decided at that point stand-up comedy went and did you know stand-up comedy with with one of my guys who who passed on t smith um he wrote for the show the proud family did some stand-up comedy shows successful um had an opportunity to acquire this television channel on watch tv and um that was another opportunity for an outlet not just for me but for other creatives that had dreams to make dreams possible for folks like you said who may not think they have an opportunity to be in hollywood or want to be in hollywood or do that type of thing um and then went on to say man well if i got a tv channel i should know something about <laughs> cameras all right i should know something so enrolled in nyu film school and then just started doing some different shows and, and when i met you man i have to say I, i'm very appreciative for you because i was you know i wasn't a, anybody in the industry but when i had the opportunity and met you and reached out you said hey man i got you whatever you need right and you came and met me at the spot and helped me out with with lightings and checked out my camera and, and gave me some encouraging words and, and and here we are still rolling so you know that dream deferred it is here and and although i'm still in education and teach you know this is something i'm very passionate about and uh so i i definitely resonate with that idea of you got to have a dream you know this is something from childhood didn't give up on it it was just you know marinating in the background and, and sometimes it's all about timing Mm -hmm. and speaking of, oh go ahead no you go i was going to say speaking of timing i want to talk about this this that this one particular statement that you made um in the video that we started to show off with um regarding the military because it is veterans day and, that, and that's why we're here again happy veterans day to all the veterans thank you for your service you guys can see it scrolling across the bottom of the screen absolutely thank you for your service also mr uh foster quarter thank you as well um my father my brothers my cousins there's a lot of folks that want to be a part of this show and, and some folks that have contributed some questions we'll ask later but all the questions came from a statement that you made that i found really profound and that statement was you said for young men and i'm I'm going to contextualize it to young black men in particular choose the military and when i heard that statement it blew my blew me away because i never and people say never say never no i never heard that statement from uh, an african i'll say a respected african-american african-american period because traditionally and culturally that's not a statement that you would hear in our culture um, for a lot of people and for a lot of reasons, whether it's historic because of racism and this idea that the country has done us wrong. And if we somehow serve this country in the military, we're selling out our, hist our history, our culture, our race, 
or somehow that's not a place for us to be. Right. But the approach that you took and you said this for folks that are using this as a reason, as far as uh, I'm not going to war, you said you're already in a war. That's correct. You're already in a war. And the war, yeah, you're losing. And that yeah. that war it has no not no positive outcome. There's no positive outcome. No. You, this idea of choosing the military, man, speak on it. Go ahead. No, it's like um, you know, there's genocide happening for the last, you know, 40 years of young african-american men being disposable the jails are full of them the cemeteries are full of them the um you know amputees and the the wheelchairs uh are full of them um the genocide is because you know what did Malcolm X said? We've been bamboozled, hoodwinked, yeah, yeah, run a yeah. run a strike, right? Because the uh, patriotism uh, got taken away from us. The whole concept of patriotism, and and there's a number of reasons. You know, when you're going from from slavery to um, you know the modern times when I was coming up to vote Black Panther Party, you know, we were always fighting against the system, you know, the government, the establishment, law enforcement were always um, in some sort of way, the, the enemy. Um, and to put it back in the Dolomite terms, the man, you know, right, fighting right, against the right. man. You know? yeah. and, um, sure. and when I look at uh, my life, and I look at uh, this country, and the the just all the hundreds of thousands of brilliant minds who who you know, there's no telling what talents have been squashed, and as you said, a dream. Um, what was your do your comment a dream I, I said a dream deterred and then deferred yeah it's like yeah. see and it and again it comes back down to two things education and um and and hope you see if and and see it becomes generational the the older uh thugs, criminals, gang members, their lives are destroyed. They are sad with their lives. They are disappointed. And they want to suck the young people into that um, because they don't have uh, any futures. So they don't want you to have a future. The, what I think the young men and women uh, should be thinking about is not themselves, but their moms. You know, yeah. um, think about your mom. Don't you want to be proud? Don't you want your mom to be proud of you? You don't want your mom to have to come to court. You don't want your mom to have to 
be going, trying to get bail money. You don't want your mom going to the cemetery. You don't want your mom coming down to the morgue to identify your body. You know, uh, you want your mom to be proud of her son who got educated, who had a family, who is a father, who is a mother, who has a career, who did something with their lives and you can do something for your mom. Um, my mother was a major influence in my life and that was one of the reasons that I chose to you know, run as fast as I could and figure out a way to get away from the neighborhood that was a sewer uh, because it was infested with gang violence on the south side of Chicago. My mom worked, my mom worked four jobs to keep us in Catholic school and in a nice apartment. And she was one of the first to get a car in our neighborhood because we were poor. Everybody was poor. And I saw how hard my mom was working. And the the neighborhood, and fortunately, she sent us to Catholic school, so I was able to um, help be educated enough right. to look at the situation truthfully and have a perspective. And I didn't see a future um, in gang violence. And so I wanted to change my life. So I think, you know, that people don't understand if you go to the military, you one, uh, and again, I don't want to generalize and, and and make everybody seem like they're the same and, and say Black people are poor, Latin people are poor and what have you. But the, the reality is you can get an education, you know, number one. Um, number two, you can change your life. You can get service schools. When you come out, you can uh, use the GI Bill and go to school. The military has the best technology they have the cutting edge technology where you can learn the skills that when you come out you are at the top of the food chain in terms of hiring you know the all of the computer stuff all of the ai all of the everything aerodynamics navy army i don't know air force you know space force whatever it is you choose they have top of the line technology and we have to get out of this mindset of um, that's not an option because it's a wonderful option. And most young people don't want to hear it, but when you are 17, 18, 19, 20, you have no clue of what your future holds and what you want to do in life. And, um, and some do, some are fortunate enough to, to to get that memo early, but for the most part, when we look at, you know, um, the police cars are full, we look at the jails are full, we look at the cemeteries are full, um, yeah, crime is just rampant. You know, when, when you see these young people go running into uh, flash mobbing stores, you know, to to grab purses and all of this little short term, a uh, couple of dollars you're gonna make, and most likely you're gonna get busted because they they they're arresting them like 
crazy in uh, the Los Angeles area. I know that in San Francisco, you know, so it's that temporary hustle, the drug sales on the corner, running from yeah. the police, running, waiting on somebody to shoot you over, you know, $50 worth of drugs or $10 worth of drugs. And the, the hate for another kid, another young person who you don't even know. Yeah. And, you know, and you're killing your own. And you guys are fighting over turf that you don't even own. Um, again, get out of the, the the neighborhood. You know, they they have this term of, you know, our turf, you know, fighting for our turf. Don't come over here doing well, yeah. that's only because you haven't gotten past the little four to six or eight blocks of your neighborhood. If you really got the memo, you'd understand that the world is your hood. You know, the uh, yeah. Germany, France, you know, uh, the whole wide world is your hood. And that is the best education in the world is travel. And if you only get in the car in the back seat of your buddy's car and y'all ride around in 40 ounce and somebody's telling you to shoot out a car window, you know, that's not the world. You know, you you you're not giving your life a chance. And that's what I would like to inspire the young people uh, to do is give themselves because when I say um Vietnam saved my life. Um, it's the absolute truth. I'm telling you, 95% of the uh, young men that grew up in my neighborhood are dead or incarcerated, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. or, or, or crippled or, you know, homeless and, and nuts. It's, it's, it's frightening. And as I look back, it's genocide and it's just getting worse. And worse, nobody cares. That's the thing. They've spent all of this money on jails and um, yeah. more, more police cars and all of these things. And it's just a vicious cycle. Uh, and there's no other word uh, other than genocide, you know, that I can think of it. And when Father's Day passed, you know, I just was looking and thinking about how many of these young men won't be fathers because... Like you just said to me, thank you for your service, right? Right. You say that, you know, all the time. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah. And I say thank you for it. But what it does for me and to me is it makes me think about the guys who didn't make it. Yeah. Who you're saying thank you for your service. And you don't know the people we really all want to thank are the guys who died in the mud yeah. And, died yeah. in the, and died in the fields, you know, having their head shot off, their arm shot, blown up, eight, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, 22 years old. They never got a chance to have a family. They never got a chance to, you know, uh, have a career. They never had a chance to see their minds again. That's the shit that I think about. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for your service because I feel so blessed, you know? Um, and and that's part of my inspiration is, is 
making sure that I took advantage of the blessing of coming home from the war. See, and, and on that note, let me say this, because that's the whole a big part of the fear that, that gets dropped into uh, young African-American youth, male and female. It's like, oh, I don't want to be in a war. And as you said, I said, you're in a war now and you can't yeah. win. There's yeah. no, you won't find one uh, Fortune 500 company or super successful corporation that the head of it says, yeah, I got my start in street game. You know, there's no future right, in that shit. Right. You know, yeah, that, you're right. You're right. Absolutely right. Something else and come from someplace else. So the the thing though today, see, it's not war. Wars aren't like Vietnam anymore. You know. Now we had the Gulf War and and you know the stuff that happened just you know not too many years ago, but all that's twenty years ago at this point. But it's not. It's the technological wars now, you know, right. it's this button, it's computers, it's drones, yeah. Um, it's not the whole foot war thing anymore, you know, like we had to do. Uh, so you couldn't pick a better time to go into the military, but it's about, you know, cutting off the genocide and giving yourself a chance, man, because when you find yourself uh handcuffed doing the perp walk in the back of a police car um man yeah. if that yeah. happens to you one time get the memo change your mind change your life think about your mama think about your brothers sisters because that's it. real that's you know, real it's that's no real. hope it's no hope that's and somebody's got to speak on it like you said it people have told me exactly what you said it's the two things that I, I said in that uh, video is that they've never heard before. One is Vietnam saved my life. They've never heard anybody say that, but it's right. my truth. You know, and two, he not um, they haven't heard any, you know, uh, African-American male saying to the young people, go to the military and right. and we most let's be realistic okay now oh, again yeah. there's a lot of young people male and female who have the wherewithal and and go to college you know and go and get themselves um an education but a lot of us and a lot and not just black i'm speaking to latinos and asians and everyone um that is on a path of of uh, nowhere, a path that's going to take you to the cemetery or to incarceration. Um, most of them, male and female, there's um, a problem in the family. You know, there's not a father possibly in the home or at any rate, if there is a father in the home, there's a parenting issue, you know, because right. There's no way on God's green earth that you can tell me that you are a responsible parent and you have a 14-year-old who is outside at one o'clock in the morning uh, and, and you get a call from the police that he's riding around with 
uh, a 22-year-old guy, a 19-year-old guy, a 17-year-old guy, and they had two guns in the car and right. beer. And where's your baby at? At you don't know your you don't have a sign on the door that tells your kid. Yeah, yeah. If if you don't come in this house before dark, you're gonna have a problem. You know. Um, yeah. And so the parenting thing is is uh, a major part of the problem. So what I say is, you know, you if young people aren't getting taught respect, you're gonna get the respect in another way. You're gonna get it during the purple ball. You're gonna get it, you're gonna be taught respect um, in a way that is detrimental to you. So yeah. the military, you know, when I went to the service, I had a chip on my shoulder that wouldn't wait. I had, I hated Whitey. I hated honkies, all of that negative talk, all of those negative thoughts that right. I had been put on me by these older convicts and thugs and scum, just like, and again, I'm saying this about these, uh, the, the black inner city, but that same concept of hate and, 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 uh, and that's what it is. Hate is, Talk to young white kids with when you talk to these uh clan, you know, when they talking that this white supremacy stuff, and, and when you talking to the Latinos who get you know sucked into the M13s or 18s or whatever it is, and the Asians get kind of whatever the 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 negative force uh in the communities are, they get sucked into that. Um, and because it's education and lack of hope. You know, right. most of these young people, they want to belong to something. That's how you get sucked into the gangs. That's uh, it. You know, in some neighborhoods like Uber's ours, uh, you didn't have no choice if you wanted to live around there. And But again, you do have a choice with the military. So you can sign up for the military and none of your homeboys, none of your thug friends got to even know about it, you know. <laughs> you know, you just, that's a choice. You do that on your own, again, for your mama, for your family. And then one day, you gone. And they were like, what happened to, you know, Jimmy, Bob, Frector, Hector, Jose, yeah. da, da, da. Yeah. what happened yeah. to him? It's like, and somebody say, oh man, he went into the Navy, he went into the Army, he went into the Air Force. And, and now next thing you know, one, you're going to get taught respect. Two, you're going to see the world. Three, you're going to get educated. Four, you're going to meet people and see things that you had no idea existed. And when Absolutely. You, and, when, and, and nine times out of ten, because you're going to do two, three, four years um, at least, when you come back, most of them people that you left, they ain't going to be there no more. You know what? True story. True story, man. True. You know, a lot of a lot of a lot of what you 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 spoke about, man. It's sitting here resonating with me because you know, and as I have both of our our photos up on the screen, you know, um, from our time in the Navy at at different points in our life, you know, I was in a situation just like you described, 
homeless as a teenager in high school, South Central L.A., mm. uh, graduated, got accepted to college, but didn't have the money to go just to graduate and be homeless even mm. more. Wait, waiting for that, that dream, waiting for that opportunity for college, but being so poor with all this temptation around and, and almost made a, a really bad choice to sell drugs, which was mm. something I, I completely um, disagree with because it, it affected my family's life and my community in ways that were detrimental to me, you know, emotionally, socially, and, and, and the whole nine. And, um, I was glad the light clicked on the light clicked on for me. And I, and I left the, the drug house where I was about to make this decision. I thought, you know, what, what, are, what's my grandmother going to think? You know, what are all these people that poured into me? What are they going to think? Cause the headline's not going to say, you know, here's this, this kid who was, you know, a good kid and looked after his baby sister and his mom and, and came to Los Angeles from Detroit and, you know, went to school and, and dodged all these, you know, horrors of the street, didn't join gangs. I had been shot and shot at and chased, but didn't join this and, and wasn't a bad kid, you know, graduated and, and, you know, made it through almost to college. It's not going to say that. It's going to say another inner city black kid, you know, perp walk, get him out of here. Right. And I, I happened to just walk out and walk down 88th Street, Broadway, and, and ended up on Florence in Vermont and saw a recruiting station. And as much as I was one of those kids, I, I'm bringing up a, a graphic in a minute that influenced me. I was one of those kids that was anti-military. I didn't like the establishment. I thought that it was a detriment to my community, you know, historically speaking. Right. You but, been but at, yeah. But at that point, it was like, man, that's what was my, my choice. It was right there. Clearest day that that station burned down in the L.A. riots, though. But this recruiter station, I go in and just tell the guy, hey. Don't don't tell me any lies about I'm going to be rich and famous and then meet all these women and travel or whatever. Just mm. how long, how soon can you get me off the streets? Mm. I, I, I got to get out of here. How soon? He said, any felon? No, no felonies, man. I, I'm, I haven't been in trouble a day in my life. How soon can you get me off the streets? He said, well, if everything works out 10 days, mm. I said, let's do it. And 10 days from that day, I was out. Didn't get a chance to tell friends or, or people that I knew, barely my mom and my sister. And I felt bad that I was leaving them, but I had to save me to save them. You know what I mean? And, and so that was my, my, my trek out, man. I want to, I want to continue this, this conversation for sure, but we need to take a, a quick break and we're going to come back and I want to pick up upon more of this conversation, but also, you know, the transition that you made after the military and again, happy Veterans Day to everybody. Shout out to all you folks around the world that are listeners, longtime listeners in, in, in all these 90 countries. This is Let's Chew the Gum, the podcast where we talk about everything from A to Z. Again, be sure to download the On Watch TV app on your Roku, Amazon Fire TV stick, or listen to the podcast like many of you are now. It's available wherever major podcasts are downloaded. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Podbean, you name it. We thank you. Uh, so very, very much. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that sponsorship from On Watch TV. Again, be sure to check out On Watch TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and Vita TV, and pretty soon on a few other platforms worldwide. Um, I want to uh, come back to this this conversation again, man. Thank you so much for for those messages that you sent out to our young people. I'm keeping our pictures up. I want to ask you about this, man. But the message you're giving out to young people and and, and older folks alike, man, you made some great points. Now, I especially like the point about you saying that there are a lot of you know older individuals who have had their time and and things didn't work out the way they wanted to and so now they're influencing other folks to say hey it didn't work for me it won't work for you and i and i've heard that type of rhetoric and and i don't appreciate it either it's just like uh you know when i was deciding to go to college and and and, and get advanced degrees and folks would say oh man i i went to school it didn't work for me so it's it's not going to work for you. And I would say fool because you didn't finish. Right. No, but no, because a lot of times for different reasons, no, no disrespect to anybody, but sometimes folks that are going through, maybe you didn't follow through, right? If you went to, to college and you didn't finish your program and then you got student loans and you didn't finish, well, you probably can't pay them off. You didn't have an outlet. You didn't have a good experience, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the same for everybody. And that's the same with the point that you made about the military. But yeah, yeah. In these in these photos right here, I don't know how old you are in your photo. I imagine that you're un this is like That's your your picture of you, sir. That's a I and you know, I, I didn't even realize and now I'm remembering that you had told me that you were in the military a while back when we first met. And right. it it hadn't even dawned on me because I was so impressed with all the other stuff you've been doing in life. Right, I, right, I right. and we 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 weren't on that wavelength in that conversation, you know, That's at right. that time and during those that time. Um, but yeah, you're a good looking sailor there, fella. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. I, I think I was man, let me let me think. I must have been uh 20. 20? 20? Yeah, I was 16 in that picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 20. I'm 16. Maybe, and, no, no, I, I apologize. I'm, no, I'm 19. I'm 19. It's closer yeah. to 20. I'm 19. Yeah. And you yeah. said you're 16. Yeah. And because yeah. uh, I was 15 when I started forg forging my birth certificate and, right. and uh, had to take it to the recruiter and had to make it uh, first and then uh, take it to the recruiter and pass it. And then I, they made me take the uh, GED because I, you know, I was a freshman in high school. Right, know? right. I had to take the GED, and then I got 3.8 out of the 4.0, and I got accepted and, you know, uh, choose a service school. And then it was the next time that, you know, they had to, the enlistment thing, you know, when. Right, right. They don't go away. They don't go, well, now, who knows how it is. But back then, it was like once a month or you know, two months or something, and the recruiters had it set up, so they always were trying to make their quota. So they didn't want everybody to go at the same time. Then they do them, boom, 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 boom stuff. So I, I, yeah, I'm old now. I can't remember all of the details, but I know um, I went. By the time I went in, I was 16, and then they busted me, and then my mother had to sign a waiver, and then that first year mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, turning 17 before I went overseas. You know. So, yeah, if you guys didn't uh if you guys didn't catch that story, man, you gotta you gotta go in the archives on on uh Let's Chew the Gum. I think we did a, a audio only podcast where you 
you shared that story and it, it was amazing that, that was a great story you guys go check that one out i think we did that one last veterans day and uh, uh memorial day i think it was oh was it memorial day yeah maybe yeah yeah i think I, you're right yeah i think you're right and i remember yeah we were talking about memorial day yeah that was that was good you you were very good so thank you so much for having me man the, um it was memorial yeah. day uh so you were asking uh um it was a point you you asked me to elaborate on and i i i forgot what well, that's, that's that's okay we, we'll get to it we, we, we'll bring it this way we'll elaborate on some of these i have some some folks man some vets that are that are listeners of the show and some colleagues of mine they submitted some questions that that um they wanted to have answered or, or addressed on the show and so sure. um there's three on here that i that i picked that I pulled. Mm -hmm. and actually some have been coming in on my cell phone while we were shooting the show so um if you guys saw me looking down i'm like wait a minute let me let me see what we can what we can get on sure. here so i want to um pose these questions to you and and folks at home you can see these um the first question and, and thank you to you know all these are from vets um mm -hmm. that have served well that's redundant all vets that have served right um mm -hmm. but these are all vets that that um that i know um so the first question is what advantages do you believe military service provides black men that they can leverage through their lifetime? Let me, let me take that one because, sure. because I think, I think you, I think you, you kind of answered that you talked about education. You talked about the fact of coming out and being on sort of the, the pick of the or having the first pick at these uh, jobs and careers and technology, et cetera. Right. As that's ever changing, the military is always on the cutting edge of that. And so there's that, you know, um, I, a colleague of mine was also mentioning the fact of, you know, home loan, um excellent uh, uh mortgage rates things of that nature um leadership capabilities experience i don't i don't know what that is that's that's trying to come in here but but they that was, i think that's somehow that's my phone but because i'm on this macbook oh, okay is uh, going over to and i don't know how to turn it off right now oh, okay so. it's all it's all good it's all that. good so 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 th there's definitely some advantages that uh black men and, and men in general can leverage throughout their lifetime let's, let's go to let's go to question two so this one i'll let you take this one this one says my military experience was great mostly but there was a lot of racism discrimination slash discrimination that i felt was used against me and kept me from advancing in what could have been an otherwise fair environment how do you navigate racism and discrimination in the military? Um, you put your hands in your back pockets and you grab that belt or your ass and you just lift up and you keep going, you know, uh, because how much racism is it in the back of a police car? You know, yeah. how much racism and discrimination is it in in jail and how much racism and discrimination is it when you running down an alley, you know, with a 45 or a Glock in your hand and some cat is shooting against across the fence. You know, um, what that is, is um, it's it's 
deterrence. It is excuses to keep you from achieving your dream. Um, It's like the, the running a marathon. You can quit after a mile. Yeah. Because your feet hurt, your back hurts. <laughs> you know, it's hot outside. It's a long way, 26 miles. You know, a 10K <clears throat> is a long way. But it's keeping your eye on the prize. It's never going to be easy. And, yeah. uh, and, and if you go in thinking that the world wants you to succeed, and that you're not by yourself and you're gonna make it to the end of the race, um, then, you know, you can't, you you can't take an excuse and stop because there's always gonna be things to stop you. And just to to quickly digress to something that you said about the people um, that have had you know, bad experiences in their life and their life didn't go the way and they try to put that on you. Like the older thugs try to suck the young people in. Look at it like this. This guy had a girlfriend and he lost it. This guy was married and his marriage didn't work out. Does that mean you're not going to try to get a girlfriend? Right, right, right. That's his experience. That Those are the choices that he made you have to make your own choices. So um, there's racism out here, whether you decide to, you know, uh, be a mechanic or, you know, um, you know, chop wood for a living or work at McDonald's or, you know, be a, a, a rocket scientist or be a, a astronaut. You know, racism, sorry again, racism is built and based in ignorance and hate um because that's somebody else's problem you know you have to just overcome it so um that's what i would say to that question is you have to just get past it ignore it rise above it and understand again that's ignorance and hate and absolutely hated people you know absolutely so no, that's a great that's a, that's a great answer, and, and I I don't know if I would, could have said it better myself, man. You it, it's going to be there, but like I like how you juxtapose the idea of you know how much racism is in the back of a police car, how much racism is everywhere. So while you're making these excuses as to why that can't be an option for you, you're facing the same thing in situations like you said. You're already in the war, and, wh- and while we're on this topic of racism, you can see scrolling across the bottom for the audience that's watching. Man, there's a nonprofit score securing communities of racial equity. And it, with that nonprofit, we're doing great work to eradicate racism in places of uh, whether it's education, institutional racism in schools and civic centers. So it's about bringing education to to folks in the community, whether it's through, you know, like the recent play that that um, I did. Journey, um, that's one where we ta- targeted that that aspect of our lives that that's terrible racism um so if you guys are interested in, in learning more about score go and check out the website um score501c3.org and 
And uh, we're always looking for folks to come on board and, and you know, we come out to the communities. We do whatever it takes and, and provide the information and resources to help people combat racism. Whether you are a victim of it or a perpetrator of it, you know, it's not about where you are. It's about where we can go together. So that's that's a good one, man. All right. Here's here's a here's a, a good question. They're all good, man. Question three says, uh, what experiences challenged you most as an African-American service member? What experiences challenged you most as an African-American service member? You can uh, go first or I can go first. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you go first. Oh, OK, so um, I, I would say the experience that challenged me the most probably was. Um, well, it challenged me the most, but it was also one of the easiest ones for me to navigate. And that was this idea of racism and discrimination. It challenged me because I had to um, have the wherewithal to understand what it was and to deal with it in, in situations when I didn't want to. Right. It was like, man, is this really necessary? Are we are we doing this again? I say it was one of the easiest ones for me to navigate because I grew up in a time in Detroit where there was a lot of racism going on, you know, on the heels of, of the, the watch riot in L.A. and then the riots in Detroit um, in, in the late 60s. You know, I'm living in, in that environment. So I, I was bused to uh, schools outside of my neighborhood. And for those that don't know what busing is, that's when they were deciding government was deciding to integrate schools. And so they took students of color, black students in most places and brown students and others and sent you to schools in predominantly white neighborhoods. And I actually tell this story as a part of a stand up comedy because I've turned it into humor. Um, I thought when we went to that school on the bus that they were having a parade for us because everybody's cheering and waving on the on the streets and waving signs. I thought they were happy to see us. And pretty soon I realized they weren't cheering happy thoughts. Right. They were they were kind of go home inward and we don't want you here and, and, you know, throwing up, you know, swastika signs and Nazi salutes and that type of thing. So, you know, um, throwing rocks at the bus. And so we went into schools that way and coming out. And I'm just eight years old, you know, a third grader. Um, so I had experienced that. I had navigated that. I had been educated in that realm. And so I kind of understood and had and fortunately had enough experiences to realize that that's not everybody, not everybody of that particular color is that way. So that was challenging. By the time I'm in the military facing that, I'm like, ah, been there, done that. OK, I know how to deal with it. And, and even throughout my career, I would say same thing. I've been in some situations where there's racism, but now I'm glad that I'm the person that's at the forefront facing it because I know how to mitigate that situation to sort of make a bridge and make a pathway and, and do what needs to be done mm. um, to eradicate it. How about you? Right. Well, I'll, I'll be brief with my answer because uh, if anybody wants to hear the whole story, um, they can do what you said, uh, listen to the earlier show that we did on uh, Memorial day, but the, the experience that challenged me the most as an African-American service member was the same experience that literally changed my life and made my life better and turned me around as a young man um, to, to understand my worth and my value and how fortunate I was instead of being an ignorant young thug with carrying on in my life the hate that had been instilled in me in the ghetto. Um, a 
sergeant from Alabama came in at uh, two o'clock in the morning. I was on watch all by myself in the middle of uh, nowhere and at the gate. And he was pissy drunk and he came in and he sat on a desk and he called me a stupid nigger. He said, Corey, you a stupid nigger, you know? And after I got through my shock and not and wanting to shoot him, uh, again, because I'm from the south side of Chicago. I know zip guns and all this stuff. And I got a 45 automatic. And I hate, I was carrying hate. You know, it was hunky, redneck, uh, you know, whitey, all that negative old bullshit that is just hate, just like fucking clan people. It's, it's just hate, 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 right? And But that's what had been instilled in me in the uh, ghetto other than, my mom's side, my mom, you know, going to Catholic school. So anyway, um, he eventually got up and went into the barracks and I sat there steaming and I really thought about it, you know, see, because what he said was I was a stupid nigger because I was flunking out. And he said, you had to be a little smart in order to get here. Cause this was the, you were going, I was going to the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island and that was an elite school and that's where you learn navigation how to read the stars and oceanography and all this stuff and i had a job at the top of the boat i steered the ship i plotted courses that's the school i was going to I, it was the naval war college so i was going to school with officers uh and because it was navigation and all the officers these are all college graduates and all this um right but I was flunking out. But I got to school because I went in for photography. But after I got in, they said, oh, the photography school is a year. And you went in, I went in on a special program the government had during Vietnam times was two years because the Navy is four years. So anyway, I was flunking out because I had a chip on my shoulder and I didn't want to learn this shit. I wanted to learn photography. And he said, you know, you think they want you here? You know, look around. You're the only one of y'all here, it was like class of like 50 or something. And right, he right. said, you're the only one of y'all here and you think they want you here and you flunking out, you're doing exactly what they want you to do. You know, he said, mm -hmm. if you want to really piss them off, you get your shit together and pass some classes, but you ain't gonna do that cause you're a stupid nigga. And mm -hmm. I sat there after he left and after I got finished being angry and the South side of Chicago got off of me and my mom started talking to me. I realized he was right. You know, uh, fuck what he called me. I was stupid because I wasn't taking advantage of this opportunity. And I knew they didn't want me here. And that was, I was playing into the game. I was getting angry because they didn't want me there. Right, right. Getting smart. And understand it. I'm here, so deal with me, motherfucker. I'm a, right, I'm a, right, right. You know, uh, I'm here because, you know, I'm good enough to be here. And so I was drinking the, the hate Kool Aid, and I had drunk the hate Kool Aid, and because most of it, like I say, most stuff is 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 based in hate and ignorance. You know, uneducated, and that's all aboard I was. I had been taught hate. And I wasn't educated. And here I was, was in an opportunity to get educated, going to the Naval War College. So I got my shit together and I finished in the top 
five or ten percent in in the class, man. And that moment changed my life for the rest of my life. My life hasn't been the same. So hard truth, hard, hard truth. Like you said, forget what he called you. The fact of and, and you know that that deserves, you know, your young self then that deserves some credit, man, because it takes a lot of strength to be able to, you know, first of all, get past what he called you and then realize the opportunity that you have. Because, you know, when I heard it, I was like, oh, he said that. But it started to feel like a motivational challenge to say, hey, mm -hmm. wait a minute, you know. Uh, um, and, and so for you to rise to the occasion and to realize that, you know, that that takes a lot. And so, and so I'm glad these types of things are being discussed on this podcast because, you know, we have a lot of young people. And when I say young people, it is it, 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 it's relative. We have mm -hmm. a lot of people who, when they're faced with some type of controversy like that, they have not gotten to a point where they've developed the, the skill set to be able to navigate that. They haven't got to a point where they have the mental fortitude to be able to, first of all, self-reflect and then to be introspective about, you know, or, or see themselves through the lens of how someone is seeing them. Right. Because they may think they have it all together. But when they're challenged to say, hey, you know what? No, you really aren't all that you think you are, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to sit back and process that and then you know, work for the better. That's a skill set. And so, you know, everybody listening, you know, get this information out to those young folks that are coming up because they aren't always receiving this type of information, man. And and I, I see it, you know, working in, in the schools every day. Sure I don't know do. if I, yeah, 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 every every day, man. And so, you know, we all got to do our part to to make sure we instill them so that they can stand up to those types of challenges. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. So here, here's one. This is the last question on here. It says, what is something you would have done differently while you served during that time while you served? What is something you would have done differently, man? I, I'll, I'll go and say, you know, I don't really, I don't really think about, I don't really think about uh, regrets in life. You know, I think everything I've gone through has been a lesson and has either, you know, made me stronger, made me better, or has made me look at myself in a way to where, I want to change. So and, and it still makes me better. But um, I think that some folks may have gotten the wrong perception of me because I was always forward thinking and, and out looking. I used to read the autobiography of Malcolm X. You know, mm -hmm. at that I read it a few times, but I was reading it um, in one of, in, in class. You know, I was an electronics technician. And, and so, um, again, like you, it was I was maybe one of 300 and, and I also finished in the, in the top of my class. Right. But I'm reading the autobiography, autobiography of Malcolm X, you know, when I'm at, 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 at the barracks or, you know, when I was in Virginia, they put us up in hotels, which was nice. They didn't have room. And so when I finished my book, man, I still want to read, you know, so any time I got a break, just like today, if I'm on a break, I'm reading something, man. So I would carry my book with me and I left it on my desk when we had a, a break in class. And uh, I think that because people had a certain perceptive, a perception of Malcolm X, because most people listen to or know about pre-Mecca Malcolm, right? They don't know about post-Mecca Malcolm, where some of his, like anybody else, he grew and he changed and he understood he was living with it in his environment. And he had every right to have the ideas that he had. And he courageously spoke about it without apology about what he was experiencing. And that's hard for some people to take, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so people got this perception that, um, I don't know, that that um, I was hateful and that um, that's all I had was hating that I didn't like. Right <laughs> and, and, the, and the truth is, at, at some point, 
at some point I, I did not have a liking for white people because of how I said I went to school, you know, just much, much like you, you know, rocks being thrown and the N word and everything I knew was hate, hate, hate. Right. Yes. But like everybody else, when you learn better, you do better. And when I was in the military, that was also the first time when I had an opportunity to meet other white people who mm -hmm. had different perspectives and to explore different that, cultures and then have an understanding to where now there's growth. And I don't think people should ever take a snapshot of an individual and think that, you know, that person, because you caught right. them being human, you caught me being human. Okay. Right. But that's not who I am. Yep. Well, I, I, um, I have two things, I guess that, um, I would have done differently. One, I wouldn't have, never let go of that machine gun and took my mm -hmm. eye off of it because I had been shooting a 50 caliber machine gun and I let go of it and I wasn't paying attention and it was on the turret. Right. And right. fucking thing, the wind blew or something. I bumped and it spun around like one oh. inch. Oh, and red hot barrel hit up against my arm. Oh, burn the shit out of me. Yeah, I know it did. I know it did. I know it did. That is number one. Yeah. And number two is I should have wore a condom in the, in the Philippines. <laughs> 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 because yeah yeah first case of gonorrhea had me bending pipes oh my goodness yeah <laughs> and that That's was real. A, that was a life lesson yeah for sure for sure yeah, yeah. for sure you that, know that, that, is, that is as real as it can get people that's <laughs> as real as it can get yeah hey that's yeah yeah when yes, you sir. Uh, yeah when you you um you know, you at war and you get that uh, three day pass, you know, that three day leave, you know, you you going to try to have all of the the relaxation yep. that you can find. And at that time, you know, you, you head to Subic Bay in yep. the Philippines and to the bar, you know. So yeah, that was that was a lesson right there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I got a I got a question that came in on my phone, and uh, sure. and then and then we're gonna move on because I want to talk about I still want to talk about. Hopefully, we have a little more time to talk about some of your current projects and and some of the things you've done post military. But it's Veterans Day, so that's what it's about. Maybe we have we need another. Yeah, show. yeah we do a we different show. show. Talk about yeah, we'll do a different show. We, yeah, we'll we'll save that because we got a lot yeah. of gems for that. So sure. so you guys, so that's a teaser. You guys got to make sure you tune back in because I got a lot to talk about with him about Hollywood, 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 yeah. man. You, you've been doing it for a while and still doing it. Um, this question uh, that was sent to me, and this is again, is by a veteran. He wanted to actually be on the show, but he's actually in the hospital with his friend who is a, a friend of his who spent 20 years in the Air Force, so he couldn't make it in. But he sent me a question and he said, he sent a lot, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick one. Mm -hmm. Um. He said, how do you feel about offering up your life for a country where so much of the population sees you as a black rather than an American? Mm. Great question. Um, 
Real short answer. Again, you can't buy into the uh, hype. It's not how other people see me. It's how I see myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, it's like the racism thing. If you're going to take an excuse, the the fact that my mom used to have a, a, a saying that speaks right to that. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Um, no problem. My mom used to say, boy, when you first walk into the room, they're going to assume you're a fool. Hmm. When you open your mouth, you prove it. Yeah, how about that? Okay, so it was saying a lot. You know, when you walk in, they ain't going to give you no respect. But if you start talking and you don't deserve any respect, or you start talking and they see, oh, I was wrong. This ain't who I thought it was. Like you said, you can't pigeonhole people. Then that determines everything. So you can't waste your time or get caught up in how other people see you. You know, uh, you be who you are and then they will see who you are. You know, um, absolutely. Mm. No, I love that. I love it. Similar, similar to what, what, uh, my mom would say, man, very in, in the same vein, man. Um, you know, she said a lot of different things, killing with kindness uh, mm -hmm. from people who, you know, um, you know, the whole idea they can say whatever they want about you. You know, it's not about what they say. It's about what you do. Um, and all those things, man, were inspiring to me. You know, somebody seeing me as uh, as an, an a black, you know, that part a black, <laughs> one of those seeing you as a black as opposed to an American. Yeah, it's, it's beyond, you know, I'm beyond and thankfully beyond the ignorance of other people. And, you know, uh, one of the sayings I was telling a young lady who was worried about some girls talking bad, I said, you know, a lion does not go around worrying about the opinions of sheep, mm. you know? And and so when in, in that regard, folks that are that are stuck in an ignorant space, now those are all deterrence, man. You, people have to stay focused. So I'm talking to the, the audience out there, man. You got to stay focused on your dream, on your mission. You can't be deterred again by what other people think, what people say. You know, a lot of those people are victims of their own upbringing. You know, everybody was brought up into it in, in a certain way, in a certain place. And, and, and uh, that's, that's not much that that you can do about where someone was. But I'll tell you this, man, in, in my experience, when I've dealt with racism or people that and, and it came from an experience in the military. I'll, I'll end it on this and, and let you get some last comments as well. Uh, when I was in the military, um, I got invited to go out with uh, a bunch of dudes who happened to be all white. I had one one guy in my company who lived off base and uh, I was ready to get off base. He said, man, you want to come over for the, you know, spend the night. We're going to hang out. You know, we get some beers and listen to some music. And, you know, and I like rock music and that's what they were listening to. I said, oh, man, yes. Yeah. So we walked to the car. And in the car, in the back seat, is, is the, uh, um, what are those, like the bench seats. Three white dudes already in the back and two more getting in the front. And I'm like, oh, sh you know, what? <laughs> wait a minute. We're going off in Florida somewhere. I haven't been off base. Wait a minute. But something told me, you know, go ahead, get in the car. So I get in the car and we, we roll and I'm a little uncomfortable. You know, I never, ever been around white people like that in my life, being from Detroit where I live. Um, long story short, we ended up having a great time, man. 
music, mm. just having a good time. It was a great experience for me seeing individuals from a different culture in a different way. And I was appreciating it. But one mm. of the guys called me a nigger. Mm. And being out of Detroit, you know, the first thing I'm like, what? You know, and all the guys were like, hey, why'd you why'd you call him that, man? Why would you say that? Right. He's like, he's like, what? Say what? What, what do you mean? What, what's wrong? what you mean what's wrong you know you you can't be saying that well i didn't know it was wrong and i'm like yeah right you know he said no man i, I promise i didn't know it was wrong he said where i'm from in this small town south of houston he said in my town they call us crackers black people call us crackers, and we call them nigger and i thought oh okay whatever so the night goes on and 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 you know i'm still not really buying his story but a week and i may have told this story in the show before but a week later Something happened with some cab driver giving me some crap about something. I can't even remember, but I remember telling my one friend who, because now I've, I've moved off base and I live in the apartment. I remember telling my one friend about it because the cab driver was calling up his cab friends and whatnot. And my friend called the guy. I, guess, I don't know who he called. I don't know who he called, but I know he called some guys. And the first one who showed up to protect me with shotgun in his pickup truck was the guy who had called me nigger. And he's and he proved to me that he really didn't know that it was wrong. You know, he was a real solid dude and and had been up to the uh, after that point. And what it taught me was, you know, when you're from a particular place and you were a certain way, you only know what you know. That's right. You only know what you know. You only know what you've been taught. And I'm yes. like, OK, cool. But once you know now, you know, that's wrong. If you now know and you continue or you, you know, delve into that. That's area right. where you're wrong now you're making a choice and that's yep. different and so I've, I've been able to really forgive a lot of people and and when it comes to racism in that regard okay that's how you coming at me okay well let's have this conversation let's talk about this let me hip you to this game let's let's have this interaction now we're on a different level we start from zero now you know what mm -hmm. choice do you make now? So now when you do it, it's a choice. And, and, and so I can really differentiate. So, you know, that relieves me of a lot of the stress and strain about, you know, racism. And this is not about racism. It's about Military Veterans Day. But we've had a, a full conversation, I think, about many aspects of why people um, talk about or why people reacted, including myself, to your statement that spawned this show of black man urges young men to choose the military. It's something that we don't hear quite a bit. But I really appreciate the comment. And even with all the wisdom that I've been able to attain in my life, it gave me a different perspective and allowed me to even think back on instances throughout my life with individuals and saying, man, well, that dude, that cat was wrong about that. Or, man, maybe we've been thinking wrong about this. And hopefully it gives our audience members who are listening and in particular African-Americans or, or anybody. Mm. It gives them a different perspective to say. Maybe I can rethink some of the old ways that i was taught maybe i can rethink some of the rhetoric mm -hmm. maybe i've come to a point and I've, I've heard this dialogue and now i know better and what i say from this point on now i'm making a choice it won't be out of ignorance so That's man right. I, I'm, I'm thanking you for for that statement um for that video that that you showed um at the beginning i have so much hollywood stuff loaded up man we're about a minute hour and 20 in which is cool right. man but you we'll guys, again, know, yeah, yeah, we'll do it again. But the audience, you guys have got to know this is not where this story ends for my man Foster Quarter, man. If you you can go go Google him. You got 
I like to Google, Google him and get ready to go scroll pages and pages and pages about his credits in the industry and talk to anybody out there and, and you'll get a, a full story. We got to have you back, man. Before we go, though, any last things you want to leave with the audience? Um, yeah, it's reject hate. No matter whether you're young or old, black or white, um, you know, whatever nationality you are, reject hate, pr promote and project love. Because if you put it out, you get it back. You know, um, one of my favorite uh, sayings is, karma is like putting money in the bank if you don't put nothing in there when you need something you can't get nothing mm. you know mm. so what you put out there and and it's tried it's you know people say it all the time but you reap what you sow and what you put out into the universe comes back to you you know that's one of the things I really, really, really believe in is I've overcome a lot of things in my life. Uh, and it's because I tried to live my life a certain way of being not good, but you know, it's that golden rule, man. You know, it's, yeah. you know, you, you have to treat people like you want to be treated. You know, it's like when I see a, 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 a old lady or a lady period or whatever, trying to navigate something and trying to <coughs> do something, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people just keep going, keep walking. I stop to help because that could that's somebody's mama or absolutely. somebody's daughter you know and absolutely i would want if my mom was having to carry this stuff over to the i would hope that somebody would have the wherewithal and the, to try to help her out you know um yeah. so i i know that and we all know that but yet we will keep walking past and let her deal with it, you know, let her, don't worry wow. about that. It ain't my problem, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and and that is your karma. That is your 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 universe. That is what has gotten me through all of my trying times is the universe brought back something when, you know, from every kind of way in, in, with my, uh, when I had cancer, when I had to have spine surgeries, when I was tied up on the floor in Chicago and 20 guys beating me when I was in Vietnam, when I got carjacked in L.A. and two guys tried to put me in the trunk of the car, pistol whipping me and stuff. And, you know, um, when the things, <laughs> when my first wife broke my heart, you know, right. <laughs> All of the things, you know, um, that come to us in life, what makes that difference? 
between you and somebody else in the same situation and you surviving and they didn't. Yeah. It's got to be something in, you know, the, the, the universe is how, when, you know, that term, how you living, you know, yeah. Yeah. How you, you know, that's yeah. real. It you is. Know? Yeah. It's, Excuse me. It's like what we're talking about with the kids. If you get up every day and you're practicing hate and you loading a pistol and you carry it around and you you riding around with some guy and y'all shooting out a car, what do you think your whole your future holds? You know, it's coming back. You know, it's yes, coming it is. some kind of way, man. So. You know, choose life. You know, choose life. Think about your mama. What they say, what would Jesus do? You know, what would right, your mama, right. what would your mama yeah. say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your, yeah. You know, and um, you know, that's that's it. And like again, parenting is major. So all of you moms, dads. Sisters and brothers, you know, if you have a sibling and you see that their life is going in the wrong direction, urge them, beg them, do whatever you have to do to look at the military option. They have signing bonuses now. They didn't have that when I went. Oh, I got a, I got a, I got a signing bonus. Not like they have today, but I got, I got, yeah, yeah, it was nice. I didn't get that. I just got out the hood. And, and <laughs> you know, which was my signing bonus, but yeah, I heard that. Yeah, now, now is a great time, and you know, you, you have the choice. So, if you love somebody, don't watch them. Uh, you know, go down that that ugly, ugly, ugly road because love it, love it. There's nothing. At the end of it, but you know, sorrow and 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 if you can stop someone at 17, 18, 19, 20 from doing even 40 more years of pain, um wow, do it. You know, you have to do it. So that's all I have to say. Thank you so much, man. Um, like you said, we've been an hour and something and Thank you for having me, and uh, I appreciate anybody that's listening or watching. Uh, if you got anything out of this, then uh, I'm happy. It wasn't my fault, it's Dr. K. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if, uh, and if you didn't, it wasn't my fault, it's Dr. K. So, <laughs> One way or the other. I'll take all of that, man. I, I thank you, too, for being on, man. It's, it's always a great conversation. Some of the best conversations we have on the phone could be great podcast episodes, man. So thank you for that. Looking forward to catching up with you with, with the next show and, and on some projects that are coming up. I want to thank all you in the audience all around the world for continuing to be the best part of Let's Chew the Gum. You guys really inspire me to keep going. And in this eighth season, I think we're at about 115 shows. So. That's been outstanding. So 
Thank you. you. Keep go. on, keep on, keep on sending those emails. You know, I, as you guys know, I, I respond to all the emails personally. There's no bots, there's no AI. That's me all, all times of the, of the day and night, depending on where you live. So I thank you for the emails. Remember, if you have show topic ideas that you want to have us discuss or you want to be a guest on the show, you can email us at let's chew the gum at gmail.com. Um, I thank you so much, Foster, for being a, a, a great guest again. You guys get the message out. You heard the message, man. Choose love. Run from hate. Get 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 away from the hate. And man, I have I have to to say this idea of choosing the military, not something I grew up thinking about. And even at my age now, I'm like, yeah, that you're already in the war. So choose what's best. That's so right. I don't care if you're white, black, brown, Puerto Rican, Asian or any persuasion. We love you. We thank you for being here so much we thank you for being here and remember we always have something for your mind something for your for your